All right, everybody, welcome back to season three, episode two of Difficult Conversations by Supply the Why. As promised, we got a smoker for you tonight. We have um, we have Dr. Obed Magni and Detective Sergeant Mike Powell coming back for what we call our monthly meetups, where we discuss whatever's hot at the at the time. So, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to bring in Detective Sergeant Powell. We'll get him on. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Fantastic, Dean. Always a pleasure to be back. Always a pleasure. All right. Well, you're a fan favorite, and everybody loves having you on. And I'm always excited anytime I know that uh, that you're going to be on. So we got the peanut butter. Let's get the jelly up here. Yeah. We got Dr. Magni coming in. How you doing, Doc? What's going on? But why got to be the jelly, though? You know what I'm saying? I'm feeling a little triggered right now. You say, man, jelly, jelly's a good thing. Jelly, you know, nice and sweet, depending upon the flavor. I mean, hey, it's all good. Part of me thinking it's an offensive lineman thing, you know, you're an offensive line, you know, like it's just natural, you know, that, that we throw a little jelly in there with the offensive yeah. line. Uh, hate mm -hmm. it, hate it on the offensive lineman. You know, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. <laughs> so, fellas, this is going to be one of the most difficult conversations we've ever yeah. had yeah. because there's no blueprint for what we're going to talk about here. So we are going to highlight this episode by discussing this, this series on Netflix called Trial 4. I heard about it when a couple colleagues of mine came in, you know, to my office and was like, hey, have you seen this? Have you seen this show? It's, it's You're not going to believe it. it's going to blow your mind. And it talks about uh, an event that happened in 1993 where a Boston police officer named John Mulligan was working a detail outside of a 24-hour Walgreens in Roslindale, and he was shot and killed. And after uh, an investigation, they settled on a suspect who was a, a 18 or 19-year-old young black male that they, they liked for this murder. And this series talks about that process and it certainly talks about whether or not whether or not they 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 feel like he did it or not mike you felt strongly about this series what what, what are your thoughts on this no I, I i enjoyed it i enjoyed watching it because there's a lot of layers to it and uh you know particularly if you work in law enforcement there's a there's some there's a lot of things that you can take away from it from as far as a learning and uh, educational experience. And, and that's kind of what I got out of it. And, and a lot of it reminds you of, uh, um, of what you should not do uh, to, in, to, in today's law enforcement um, world. Um, a lot of things were bad uh, uh, throughout that docu-series. And, 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 and for, for tonight, Dean, you know, if I could just put this out there, anything I speak upon in regards to trial four is strictly upon the docu-series, and that's it. Uh, I didn't do uh, a tremendous amount of, of research outside of it. So whatever I'm speaking on tonight is strictly based upon the, the series that was put out. All right. That's fair. And that goes double for me. You know, this every time I do a show, I try to throw out the disclaimer that these thoughts are my own, and they are the thoughts of Supply the Why. They are not necessarily the, the, the thoughts of my day job or any other entity in which you, you may see me in, whether I'm refereeing, whether I'm coaching. This is just for the, for this show. Obed, why don't you give us a quick uh, rundown of where you're at, then we'll play the trailer. Yeah, and uh, obviously that goes triple for me too. My thoughts, my own, and, you know, we try to keep it within the guardrails of, you know, the, uh, the documentary. <clears throat> uh, yeah, so, you know, to Mike's point, and I know I said this earlier, uh, there was probably – 25 dissertation topics by themselves uh, on this docu-series. So you, you can look at the corruption angle, you can look at the angle of a shot investigation, you can look at it from the perspective of community police relations and how this didn't help because somebody spent over two decades behind, you know, behind bars that shouldn't have been behind bars and everything associated with that. <clears throat> and it was fascinating because you got to see a perspective on the criminal justice system that you don't normally see. You know what I'm saying? So you've got the aspect of the defendant. You got it from the aspect of the defense attorney. Uh, you saw what the prosecution was doing and how the police was, you know, doing what they were doing. So 
you know, you kind of got an intimate view of what it looked like up close and personal. Uh, so, you know, great documentary, well put together. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, without further ado, I think we've kind of teased it enough. If you haven't seen this series, check out the trailer. I'm going to put it up now and uh, it'll give you a little bit of a taste and a bit and just a very basic understanding of what we're talking about. So stand by. I'm going to go ahead and get that rolling. My name is Sean Ellis. And I was wrongfully convicted of murder at 19. Now I'm facing my fourth trial and the possibility of going back to prison for life. The death of a police officer. It's not handled like other homicides, and this one wasn't. The sense we got was Mulligan's past had caught up with him. And when a black kid got arrested, it's like, where'd that come from? Here we go again. In my opinion, Sean Ellis executed John Mulligan. I was scared. I was confused. My son was in jail for murder. Yo, give us the keys. The first words out of Sean's mouth is, I was there that night. I brought some doctors for my cousin. I came out and went home. Down on my knees. Why would somebody put themselves in the middle of a homicide if they were involved? Yeah. The cops were just looking for someone to pin this murder on. Ellis was convicted by the work of corrupt police detectives. The corruption within the Boston Police Department is what drove this investigation. There's nothing that connects Sean to this crime. The Attorney General's office knows about it. The U.S. Attorney's office knows about it. There's no conspiracy. Sean Ellis did it. I mean, it's as simple as that. He did it. There is a cultural cover-up that has affected the Boston Police Department. And police departments everywhere across the country. We just want a taste of freedom. It's a black man, white police officer. Of course it's race. Freedom. Every day that, that someone stays locked up for a crime he didn't commit is a day that you shouldn't be able to sleep as a prosecutor. For my fourth trial, I want to be vindicated. I want to be exonerated. I definitely want the world to know that, that I'm innocent. All right. So this is going to be, uh, like I said, this is going to be a deep one today. There's a lot of different layers, a lot of different directions that we can go from here. So I'm going to start with Mike. Mike. Why don't you start us off? Where do you want to go from here? Uh, can you hear me, Dean? I okay. All right, I can hear you. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so again, just from the uh, from the trailer itself, I mean, you, you could see there there was uh, a lot going on um, during that particular time frame, and and you know, ninety three when Mister Ellis was was ultimately uh, arrested and incarcerated. And, and as the series plays out, you, you know, you can you can see a lot of the things um, that regardless of whether you whether or not you think there was some culpability there with with Mr. Ellis and uh, Mr. Patterson. Uh, for me, the fact of the matter is uh, once once that investigation is touched um, by, uh, you know, by an investigator or, or a police officer who was not of uh, the utmost uh, moral character, I think the the entire investigation uh, gets tainted and it leaves that uh, that that uh, that doubt in everyone's mind. Like fruits of the poisonous tree. <clears throat> exactly, just like the uh, the fruits of the poisonous tree. Tree. All right, so Mike, we all know what that is. Since since you kind of were going down that road, why don't you give people a brief understanding of what that exactly that means in our world in our day jobs? So, so to the. To make it simple, is if you have a tree and the tree bears fruit, uh, and that fruit and that fruit fall, uh, that fruit falls to the ground, uh, because that entire tree is 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 tainted or is or is rotten, the the fruit that it bears is also rotten. So so it all it all gets thrown out. So you have to you have to dig it up, dig up the roots, and and throw it all away and kind of uh, uh, plant a, a whole brand new tree. If that makes sense. All right. Makes sense to me. All right, doctor, jump in. Um, I'm actually going to take that fruits of a poisonous tree and give it another level. <clears throat> so 
what about the other cases these guys have touched? The previous cases that we don't even know of that they investigated, previous people they've arrested. There could be somebody locked up in prison right now, locked in jail right now, who will probably set up. That's a problem. So we know about this moving forward, but what about where did this all start? Was this something that started right out of the academy? Is this something that just took place a year before? Is there any justice or is there any investigation where if there are other people who've been negatively affected by these officers, is there going to be some rectifying of that? Um, are we going to fix that problem? So you see, this is why people turn up in the civil unrest week in and week out is because they continuously see, you know, police officers just tarnishing the badge. And, you know, I made the comment earlier to Dean, you know, it's like one step forward, 18 steps back. There are too many good officers out there doing good work, doing great work, doing the best that they can to represent the profession well. And because of a few, and, you know, again, this documentary, I don't want to ruin it for anybody because I, you know, we want them to actually watch it from beginning to end without them knowing every step of the way. But <clears throat> there's a perception there of, you know, corruption within not just an organization, but in possibly the DA's office, okay? If you're the member of the public and you can't even trust your, your police department in your DA's office, you're, that, that's a bad spot to be in, especially when we're talking about improving police, I'm sorry, uh, public safety moving forward, especially when we're talking about we want officers to be safe. You know what I'm saying? The three of us want to be safe when we're out there. And having somebody do something, regardless if it's in a different city, different state, that affects us. That affects those who are doing the good work that they're, you know, that that they're doing out there. So, so Urban, can I jump in real quick on this? Yeah, so, yeah. first of all, you know, just to clarify, Obed to DAs for those of you that are in this in law enforcement, that means district attorney's office. So, um, just to make sure we're all on the same page with that. Secondly, you said something that I want to challenge you on. You said that people are continuously seeing police officers tarnishing the badge. And. And, and Dean, can I can I, I think can it's, I jump I, in there on that? I was going to say, I, well, I want to ask Obed. I mean, that yeah. almost sounds like you think it's rampant. Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. no I'm saying the perception okay. of people seeing the media. This doesn't help. Definitely doesn't help. Yep. Right. It doesn't help. So somebody out there is going to say, yep, see, here they are. They're doing it again. They're out. And that's the part that I'm saying is that that's where it hurts, you know, men like us and other good officers out there because they're not seeing the good work that we're doing in the community. They're saying, oh, I see a couple, you know, bad cops over here. So guess what? They're all like that. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to change their minds. We're trying to show them that we're not like this, that we are out there doing the good work. That we're trying to bring, you know, um, not credibility so much. It's we're trying to show that we're about this life. We're about trust. We're all about legitimacy and justice. And when you have people who ruin it, it's kind of like, um, you know, if you have a clean white suit and then you get that smudge on there, everyone's just going to focus on the smudge, you All know, right. on the rest of yeah. the suit. That's what that's what I'm saying. All right, Mike, go ahead. I know you no, know. and just to just to add to what what I think Obed's trying to say is, uh, I, I don't think Obed uh, is trying to say that that as law enforcement we've gotten worse. I think what Obed's trying to say is that um, now th this this particular case was in the '90s. All right, and so. And I want to I want to put this out there and say, today in law enforcement, unfortunately, we are living, um, we are dealing with the sins of the past, of what uh, you know a, a few bad apples have done in the past. We we are now to, in today uh, in today's law enforcement, we are dealing with their sins. Um, that's that's the issue right now that we have to um, that we have to deal with because, undoubtedly, without a doubt. I mean, and, and, and you know, and, and facts will speak to this. Um, we have certainly gotten better as a law enforcement organization on, on, on all levels. Can we do better? 100%. We can always do better. Um, but the fact of the matter is we have certainly gotten better in weeding out bad apples um, and, and, and trying to, um, to conduct ourselves in the, in the uh, most professional way we can as a law enforcement officer. So, um, so again, I, I keep going back to the fact that we're, we're dealing what uh, we're dealing with what uh, a few bad apples have done in the past, and it's and it's and it's catching up to us now, unfortunately. 
Absolutely. Everything goes in cycles. So let me ask you this. Let me just float this out there. Then I'm going to hit the chat real quick. Are we also seeing that we live in a society where one bad incident outweighs a thousand good incidents? I think we see that. And again, unrelated, but look at restaurant reviews. Mm -hmm. Look at Yelp. You look at a restaurant. There could be a hundred great reviews about a restaurant, but what do we all look for? We look for that one review where the person got a fly in their soup. And now we're not going to that restaurant anymore. Right. So this is no different to me because how this translates to my life was the Rodney King incident. The Rodney King incident happened in 1991. I was 15 years old. It was really, that was the, the first and really the only incident that there was camera footage of. And yet the media played it so much and it was everywhere to the point where they had me thinking that every other interaction with a cop was going to end up in me getting the Rodney King treatment. Mm-hmm. So if I, go ahead, Obed. Yeah, you know, you said something, Dean, that, uh, you know, we're held to a higher standard. The police are held to a, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, an extremely high standard. And, you know, I would, all, I would almost equate it to like the FAA. You don't see or hear planes falling out of the sky on a regular basis. And I know I've mentioned this point before, but mm-hmm. we would not be okay if it was like, hey, you know what? It's only one 737, you know, crashes each day. No one's going to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. And policing is held to that same standard. We can't have, oh, it's just a couple of cops over here doing this or a couple of cops over there doing that. Because to your point, that fly in the soup, we're all going to focus on that one incident or that two or those two incidences. And it's going to bring the whole industry to a halt, whether it's the restaurant business or, you know, what you see in aviation. And so that's something, again, we have to live up to those expectations, right, wrong or indifferent. And that, mm-hmm. that comes with the territory. And I hear you. We should be held to a higher standard. We have powers and we have abilities to restrict people's freedom and to take people's liberty away. Mm-hmm. So, yep. you know, it's like that saying, with great with great power comes great responsibility. Right. Absolutely. It, it, absolutely. Right, Dean. Right, and you're absolutely right, Dean. We, we, no doubt about it that as law enforcement officers, we should be held to a higher standard, just like the DA's office, uh, um, the attorneys representing these cases. They have to be held to higher standards. Uh, so everybody in the system has to be held to a higher standard. But but I think it's important for people to understand we're still humans. Um, so, it, it, it you know, and I think, you know, and a lot of you always hear this. Well, you know, there is no room in law enforcement for bad apples. And I agree with you 100 percent. But unfortunately, there are some bad apples within our organizations. And, and uh, you know, and, and, and we we happen to catch them when things go bad, unfortunately. Um, and, and then you see things. Some things are more uh, are more obvious than others. I, I think that, you know, and again, based just upon the docuseries, I think a lot of things that were going on prior to that 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 particular investigation, that that should have been a lot of things going on uh, that were going on should have been obvious to somebody. Um, and, and I think that's at, the, you know, it's at that point where you have to do the right thing um, um, if you're aware of it to, to bring it forward. And, and because if you don't, guess what? It's ultimately going to cripple your entire organization. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Hold that thought. Let me jump in the, tra- in the uh, chat for a second. We have a very thoughtful comment that is going to bake your noodle. So John says, it says an awful lot when a man facing life in prison, if convicted, turns on a plea deal that would have potentially kept him out of jail. So what he's speaking to there is, unlike Mike and Obed, I am going to ruin it for you because I did put this out there a couple of days ago for those of you that wanted to watch a series to kind of do your homework and watch a series. So I'm pulling back the curtain on this. <laughs> so what John's talking about is that um, Mr. Sean Ellis was given the opportunity to take a plea deal in which he would have, if he had pled guilty, they would have released him for time served because he served just south of 22 years in jail. 22 years, y'all. So more than half of his life he had spent in jail, and they were dangling this freedom in front of him, but all he had to do was say that he did it. And he said, nope. I want my full vindication. I didn't do this. And he was willing to roll the dice on a possible guilty verdict, which would have sent him to jail for the rest of his life when he could have walked by simply saying one word, guilty. 
So great point there, John. That does say a lot, and I agree with you there. Um, so Heather wants to say thank you for all we all we do for keeping the community safe. Um, it's what we signed up for, Heather. It's something that we uh, it, we realize that right now it's it, you know we it's not the most popular job right now, but it is something that people like you make it worth it when we get to interact with people and we get to make a difference in people's lives when we get to do things that might not even be law enforcement related in order to improve or enhance your life and your quality of life. That is what makes putting on the uniform day on day in and day out worth it. And if I could say something, like, uh, thank you, Heather, uh, for saying that. We appreciate that. And understand that most police officers don't get into this profession for the limelight or for any accolades or anything like that. I don't doubt for two seconds there's probably a thousand things that Dean's done, a thousand things that Michael's done that we don't even know about, we'll never know about. And it's because they do it out of the goodness of their heart and protecting the people and being a part of the public safety apparatus and making sure that the communities are safe so that you're safe and I'm safe and everybody else is safe. So understand that, yeah, it's a bit challenging right now in this profession, uh, but there's a lot of people, you know, they're still doing the good work that needs to be done, regardless of uh, you know what you see in the media or what you see out there. So, mm -hmm. yeah. so Obed, one thousand percent. Let's go to what John said, though. I got to hear from y'all. Does that speak volumes about where a man's head's at if he's willing, after already being in jail for twenty-two years? Yeah, no, that 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 I think that that says something to. Um, for him, as 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 you know, what, what he sees in his mind, as far as Mr. Ellis, what what he's dealing with in his in his mind, he's he's being fingered as the trigger man, um, and, and I and I think that you know you could take a lot of things, you can go back and forth with some of the fact patterns and and um, uh, the, the 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 statements gathered during that investigation, um, and and I don't know that Mr. Ellis was not culpable. Um, I, you know, what, what, what I think that regardless of whether he was, uh, regardless of whether he's guilty, let's say he, 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 he has some culpability there, not, not necessarily the trigger man, but he, he had some knowledge, uh, of the, uh, of the incident after the fact, um, uh, in regards to where some things were, were located or what happened. So let's, let, let's just go based upon that. I still think that based upon that, and what you now now know about the the uh, the uh, the bad investigation uh, and the uh, the particular investigators that were involved in it, it, it doesn't matter whether you think that he had knowledge after the fact. The fact of the matter is, it's all bad. It, it, again, it, you're going back to the fruits of the poisonous tree. You you can't you cannot um, convict this man. Um, with clear and convincing evidence based upon a lot of the things that were happening, uh, the photo arrays that they, that they went over and, and um, um, some of the things that they did wrong there, the, the fingerprints um, that were collected, which, which the Supreme court, you know, went before the, the court and they said, no, bad. Um, so a lot of things that, that were, that took place during that docu-series. I mean, um, I, I don't know, if I could have um, sent that man to, to jail for 20, 20 years. I mean, there, there was a, there was a lot going on there that would, that I would have convinced me um, to let him walk. So Mike, you bring up a lot of good points, but you're kind of, you're eating around the edges of the plate. Obed, I want you to dive into the full meal. What made the investigation yeah. bad? Talk about some of the elements that made the investigation bad in your opinion. Sheesh, where do we start? <clears throat> uh, we can start at the beginning of the documentary, or at least in the uh, when the incident took place, when the shooting took place. Uh, so I guess something in their policy says if there's a dead body, you don't move it unless the coroner shows up and says, okay, you know what, well, well the medical examiner says, okay, you can now move the body with my permission. <clears throat> and you heard the officer who showed up there on scene say, yeah, you know, I think the officer's deceased, but they just took the body anyway and they got rid of it. There was the other issue of the phone that was not in the car, but then mysteriously showed up in the car after an investigator went back to check on a couple things. So there was there was a litany of issues uh, just in the investigation alone. And that just brings it back to my original point is 
they were willing to do that with this guy, or at least in this investigation, how many other investigations were either botched or intentionally, you know, played with? So, you know, again, we're talking about one individual. We're talking about one individual right now. And there could be 50, maybe 100 other individuals that we don't even know about who are now locked up in the system. And that's, that's, a, that's a major problem. That's a major problem. It was actually mentioned in the series. Somebody said, and I don't remember exactly who it was, and they said it beautifully. They said, this was not the first time this happened with these guys. Mm-hmm. They were too organized, and there was too much, it was too much fluidity with going from one very convenient coincidence to the mm-hmm. next. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's how a lot of these things you know, have played out over the years. I am not of the mind that this happens all the time or even happens most of the time or, or even some of the time. This is a minute fraction of the pie when this happens. Right. And obviously, when it does happen, I mean, I don't know about how y'all feel. Personally, I'd rather let 10 guilty people go free than be responsible for yep. putting one innocent person behind bars. Like- Amen. Absolutely. It, 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 and, you know. And it causes it causes that ripple effect, and as it should, it should cause a ripple effect. And and again, uh, there is no room in law enforcement for 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 folks like that, for those investigators that were involved in that that were uh, not doing the right thing. Um, there is no absolutely no room in law enforcement for those people. Um, and and um, and everything that they touched, uh, you know, I, I I don't care what it is, anything that they touched, I won't believe it. Um, and, and that, that, ha- that ultimately that is the price that, um, that has to be paid because of their, um, um, because of their conduct. I mean, it, it's, uh, hands down for me, if you, if you are engaged in that activity, it causes that ripple effect and it should be done. So mm-hmm. Mike, I'm going to come back to you. All right. So you just volleyed it to me and I'm smacking it right back at you. You and I, we have a unique role because not only are we police officers, we're also supervisors. Mm-hmm. So there's another layer of cu- of culpability for us when something doesn't pass the sniff test mm-hmm. and we don't start asking questions and yanking at the threads of these things. Yep. That's the yep. whole point of being a supervisor. You build your investigatory resume and your chops as a patrolman. Yep. And then when you become a supervisor, nobody likes to do this, but at some point you got to do it as a supervisor too. If you see something that doesn't look right, that either a patrolman or even another supervisor is doing, you are now obligated even more so to speak on that. Absolutely. 110%. And even if it's not, uh, even if you're reviewing an affidavit or, or an investigation, sometimes people do things and it's, it's not malicious. It's just a uh, lack of knowledge. Uh, and sometimes it, it, you know, it's your, it's your, part of your responsibility as a supervisor to make sure all the pieces fit um, within the, you know, within the scope of the law. Um, And that's also why we have a a process where we let the DA's office, they have a team that reviews affidavits. Um, So, and it's, it's important, it's an important tool, particularly now uh, because it's a neutral body that kind of looks at things and um, they, they are, you know, attorneys obviously have a lot more, uh, knowledge in, in uh, they're, they're, they're better able to interpret the law than uh, a typical law enforcement, uh, typical law enforcement officer. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, generally speaking, generally that's another, speaking, that's another show, but all right. Yeah. Generally speaking, meaning they went to, you know, they went to law school. So I, I think that um, again, generally speaking, but they're supposed to be able to interpret, interpret the law than the average, uh, than the average cop. Right. Um, so, 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 but that's one of the tools that that should be used uh, when when reviewing affidavits in your investigation, and the supervisor has a huge responsibility in investigations to rail things back if you need to rail things back, slow things down if you need to slow things down, um, and 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 you know, and I think it's important to take emotions out of your investigation because you, you put a lot of time and effort into investigation. So so it's only natural that you, you get emotionally attached to these things, right? You want them to, you know, you don't want to go in the, go in uh, to a house um, and get a goose egg uh, because your whole, your whole investigation was based upon that affidavit. So, so it's important to understand that you, you have to take 
um, your emotions out of investigations and just try to stay neutral. I mean, we're human beings, so naturally some emotions get attached to what we do, but you have to be able to control that. So, Mike, you bring up a good point, and this is a perfect segue, segue to Obed, because Obed is, as most of you know, he is an expert in emotional intelligence. One of the things that we talk about in negotiations is you try to separate the issue from the emotions, which is hard to do. I mean, we're human beings, like Mike said. Like we we put in time and we put in energy and we put in effort. Sometimes those two things they get intertwined, and it's tough to tell which way is up and which way is down. So Obed. Please respond to anything that Mike said, but also talk about that ability and how important it is to be able to separate the issue from the emotions. So for whatever reason, my screen froze or you guys froze for like 20 seconds when you were speaking, Mike. So if you said something profound, I missed it. So uh, I'm just going to blame that no, on my Xfinity out here. No, nothing code. I say is profound. Uh, <laughs> um, well, the thing is, so when you, obviously, if you're talking about the death of a police officer, of course, emotions are going to get wrapped up into it. And to say that, you know, you, you're just going to be able to divorce the two easily. I mean, you're not being honest with yourself, right? I mean, if you had a death of a parent <clears throat> or a loved one, you know, and you go to work and to say that that wouldn't affect you, uh, you know, it's just, you're not human. I mean, that's what we're, we're supposed to feel emotions uh, and all those things. So that's number one. It's okay to acknowledge that there are some feelings involved of you know, sorrow, sadness, and all that kind of stuff. But yes, you do have a job to do. And when you look or follow the evidence, it's gotta be objective. And when you're doing an investigation, you've gotta remove any biases that you might have. And if you think you have some biases, you know what? There's no shame in having somebody step in and take care of that, you know, that area or whatever that is for you. Uh, there's no shame in saying that. That would be like, you know, if I had a loved one and that killer killed that loved one, well, do you think I'm going to be able to be unbiased if I go and question them? Uh, I'm going to be like, hey, can we, uh, you know what, do we need this camera in here? So that's the part of it, you know? Um, and I don't know if that answered your question, Dean. Uh, well, you uh, just speak directly to the importance of, you know, really quick, the importance of separating emotion and the issue at hand. Well, yeah, you don't want your, what you want to do is you want to control your emotions first. So the, when you, you know, when you're in an airplane, right, if the uh, little, um, what is it, the mask comes out from the, from the ceiling, you got to take care of yourself first before you take care of the next person next to you. Well, the reason why that is, is because if your emotions get out of control, the person that you're interacting with, the person that you're talking to or dealing with, they're going to get out of control. So if you're irrational, you're going to get them hyped up and vice versa, and nothing constructive is going to come from that. So you're a police officer, you're dealing with somebody out in the street, to, you know, deal with a coworker, dealing with a supervisor, it doesn't matter who it is. If you have a particular trigger, something that you know upsets you, if you recognize that whatever those things are proactively, now you are much better off in managing those emotions and seeing it for what it is, whatever that event is, and you're going to be better at handling and being more resilient and dealing with that. So whether it's, you know, you count to 10 or you step away for 10 seconds and come back, wh whatever those things are. Uh, so you don't put yourself in a position where you get hyped up or, um, you know, overcome by the, you know, events that are in front of you. All right. That's fair enough. Now let's hit the chat real quick. So Heather says, absolutely screams innocent in my opinion. It's such a sad story. And all the other innocent people, this is on Netflix now. Yes, it is on Netflix now. I highly recommend it. It's about, I think it's eight episodes. Um, but I can tell you right now, I, I, it was hard to, it was hard to turn it off. Like I was, I found myself up to like two, three in the morning it's and like I'm up at five to go to the gym. So it, it, it's unhealthy. It's unhealthy, Heather, but you know, sometimes we gotta we gotta become a little uncomfortable in order to gain clarity on issues. Yeah. Um, next, let's go to Karen. She says, IAD, which is the internal affairs division, for those of you that don't speak cop jargon, should have been all over them. The good old boy network happened right there. The threats to the girlfriend losing the child, too, sad, and it gives cops a bad name. So what Karen's talking about there is during the investigation of Mr. Ellis. They applied some pressure to his then girlfriend and played the, the card that if you don't cooperate or play ball, that they could have the state come and take custody of her child. So they did that to play, to put a little pressure on him. 
All right. So from there, Karen also says the first question they should have asked is why narcotics detectives were investigating a murder. 1,000%, Karen. So really quick, Mike, I believe that's what you do, right? Yeah, so so I'm in, I'm in general investigations, which which we deal with uh, with everything. So if you but if you have a a, a specialized unit, uh, particularly homicide that just work homicides and that's it, it should be just homicide investigators. Uh, there, there sometimes there is some cross fertilization. Um, if if you know if extra help is needed, you know for interviews, um, but, but generally speaking. Um, the homicide uh, division is the lead um, and they may branch out to other uh, special uh, uh, specialized divisions for interviews, for things like that, to gain intelligence. Um, but they should, they should generally speaking, they shouldn't have been the lead. Uh, narcotics investigators shouldn't have been leading a homicide investigation. Um, and, and the other aspect I want to hit here, Dean, is in this particular docu-series, it points out that these two these two investigators had an attachment to uh, uh, to the uh, police officer that lost his life. There, there was uh, there, there was uh, some friendship involved, which again that's part of that's part of a supervisor's responsibility is to recognize that and remove that. So if these if you have a close relationship with somebody who passes away, you shouldn't be the the one leading the investigation because it, because it goes into that that whole thing of. It, it's a lot of emotion there. There's a lot of, of of personal attachments there, and you start to you can lose sight of the goal line. So it, it that should have been first and foremost as a supervisor that should have been recognized to say, listen, no, 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 no. You have a personal relationship with this guy. You are not going to be involved in the investigation, and that wasn't done. Um, so the, I think you they know, alluded to a business relationship too, not just a friendship relationship. Right. Right. So, so there were a lot of different dynamics uh, about that relationship that should have been recognized and fixed, and and that should that should not have been the case. First and foremost, there, there was that relationship was too close. But to get to the point is there sometimes there is some cross fertilization. However, it's general generally that that specialized division that leads whatever particular case it is. All right. So Heidi has a question. Obed. How do you feel about Mr. Ellis not being exonerated in the press conference when they dropped the case, but they didn't exonerate him? So how do you feel about that? So if you watch this documentary and where this was going, if they had enough to go after him, they would have tried him a fourth time. And why didn't they try him a fourth time? Uh, And again, unlike the uh, other two here who are ruining it for everybody else. uh, I don't know the answer to that question. It would only make sense to say, hey, you know what? Based on, you know, to Mike's point, you know what? We have these three, you know, three investigators that have issues. We're just going to drop everything that they touched. And that's the end of that discussion. That would have been one way. But to, you know, put, you know, to say that, hey, you know what, we know that he still did it and, you know, so on and so forth. You know, it, you know, it's almost like, you know, kicking a guy when he's down. You know what I'm saying? And you look at the optics of that, okay, from somebody who's from the outside. And the optics of, oh, look at that. Even when the police are wrong, you know what, they're still willing to go out and tarnish somebody's name. And that's not a good look for us in policing. And so if he, if there was enough evidence to move forward, they should have just moved forward and presented the case. Um, I think the way they just kind of stopped it immediately and kind of just said, hey, you know what? Um, there, there was just too many questions there. Um, I, I wish I could give you a legitimate, I, 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 I don't know. And, and, and for me to sum it up in a way that people can understand, you have to develop probable cause in order to charge somebody, right? Mm-hmm. It was clear that they were nowhere near probable cause, never mind proof beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's what we're talking about here. So probable cause, if you're at home, the way I usually explain probable cause is if you're looking at 100% certainty, probable cause is what they call more likely than not. So we're talking about 51% would give you your probable cause. And they didn't have probable cause. So just to... uh, kind of hammer that home all right one more question one more uh comment in the chat 
Karen says, what about the ties to the witness at Walgreens who took 25 minutes to buy a bar of soap and she had ties to one of the detective's family members? All right. Great point. So, again, I'm going to further ruin this for you. But, again, keep in mind, folks, this is an eight it's eight hour long episodes. Like there's nothing I can do here. That's going to, that's going to take away the shock value of when you watch this thing. So one of the witnesses or the key witness that they had was a young lady who coincidentally was the niece of a woman that one of these detectives had a child with. And they let this detective play a major role in the questioning in the photo lineup that she consequently um, picked the Sean Ellis out in. So, I mean, this, I mean, the whole thing was done in such a way that it just was so like, even if, even if everything was by some miracle on the up and up, there's just no way it, it would ever pass a sniff test. Certainly not in today's world of policing. It just would not, not even a little bit, not even close. And this is no indictment. Let me say this now, and I'm, I know I speak for the other guys. This is not an indict, indictment of that agency. We all have friends that work for that agency, people that are important to us, people that we love, people that we've trained with. This is a minute amount of, of, of men that played a role in this. And what they did to the people that also worked on that agency is shameful. And I, they, I feel the need to say that this is not an indictment on the Boston Police Department. There are a lot of fantastic officers, talented officers on that department that are now that are paying the price for what these guys did back then. So I'm going to take – go ahead, Obed. I, well said, Dane. I mean, seriously, well said. And I would even – again, I'm just saying that they don't just tarnish the officers that work there. They're tarnishing the officers that work elsewhere across this country because everyone's going to see this documentary, or at least a lot of people are going to see this. And again, you know, I think Mike said it best, you know, we're paying for the sins of the past. And one step forward, you know, we all, the three of us might do something great tomorrow and it gets eviscerated because of an incident that took place or because it got drawn out, you know, in court or whatever that is. And we just have to work that much harder just to gain the trust of the people that, you know, we serve. Um, so yeah, well said, well said, Dean. So I'm gonna show a clip here um, this is from an, a Boston-based movie that is unrelated to this, but it shows a police officer that is at his wit's end that is rationalizing some acts that he took that, well, I'll let you, I'll let you look at the clip and you all decide for yourselves. Now, this is a shithole, mind you. Rats roaches all over the place. But the kid's room in the back was spotless. No, I mean, he swept it, mopped it. It was immaculate. The little boy sitting on the bed holding on to his PlayStation for dear life. There's no expression on his face. Tears streaming down. He wants to tell me he just learned his multiplication tables. Yes. I mean, the father's got him in this crack den, subsisting on Twinkies and ass whippings. And this little boy just wants someone to tell him that he's doing a good job. You're worried what's Catholic? I mean, kids forgive. Kids don't judge. Kids turn the other cheek. What do they get for it? So I went back out there. I put an ounce of heroin on the living room floor, and I sent the father on a ride, seven to nine. That was the right thing? Fucking A! You got to take a side. You molest a child. You beat a child. You're not on my side. If you see me coming, you better run because I'm going to lay you the fuck down. Easy. Don't feel easy. The 
kid better off without his father? Yeah. But okay, I mean, he could be out there right now, pumping with a gun in his waistband. It's a war, man. Are we winning? No. All right. So again, unrelated, but it talks about the type of rationality that would go on that would lead people to believe that cutting corners to achieve some end result is worth it. And these are the type of things that don't manifest themselves. Like this wasn't something like that clip that I just showed. That wasn't something that just happened. That was something that this person had been building up in their mind based on all the pressure and all of the awfulness that we see in this job. But like we said during this entire broadcast, unacceptable. Unacceptable. We have to be above that, and we have to call that kind of behavior out. Gentlemen, have you seen that clip before? All right, Mike, your thoughts on that? Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, so I, I've seen that clip before, and and you know, first of all, excellent acting. Uh, I, I felt the emotion in it. However, you cannot let that interfere with what you're doing as a police officer. I and once you cross that line one time, it's done. Everything else that you touch, uh, your reputation, everything, it's all done. That one time, it just takes that one time. So we can we can put that emotion into the job we do without tainting the investigation, without tainting uh, whatever it is you're doing. Uh, like I get it, um, and and you know a lot a lot of that what was going on in his mind as he was acting that out. Um, you know you you it, it's hard not to let certain situations um, you know bother you when you when you when you're talking about seeing a, a kid who who's obviously in a, in a bad place uh a mother who needs help you know whatever the case is it, it's hard not to 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 feel for that person at that particular um at that moment but i think it's part of your job as a police officer as an investigator as as your role in law enforcement to do everything within your power within the scope of the law stay within the scope of the law and that's the most important thing as long as you stay within the scope of that uh, uh, the scope uh, uh, of the law put all that 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 effort and emotion into that investigation and it can be done legally um it's sometimes it's just a little harder but once you cross that line one time there's no coming back there really is no coming back obed well yeah false charges um sending somebody to jail because you have a personal vendetta against them no, I mean, that's that's not cool under any circumstances. And again, that doesn't just make him look bad, but that affects us, makes everybody else look bad, you know, looks bad for the profession. And there's just there's just no excuse for that. You and I mean? to be clear, we've all felt that pain. We've oh, all yeah. been to a call or calls in our career where mm-hmm. we see a situation that's similar to this mm-hmm. and, and and you can't shake it. I mean, it, it, it rocks you to the core. It, it it could cause you when you have a private moment to maybe shed a tear or two. We've all been there. If you're human and right. you have some time on this job, but, but the difference, ahead, but the difference is we have integrity. Correct. That's what separates us from those who don't have integrity. If you don't have integrity, yeah, it ain't gonna be nothing for you to plant evidence here. Won't be, you know, it's no big deal to steal some evidence there. You know, to like falsify police report, uh, you know, falsify police reports, like. People who don't have integrity do that. And again, you know, equating it to the FAA, you know, uh, example I gave earlier is it just takes that one person that can literally take down a whole organization in a reputation or, you know, a whole profession, um, as you just saw earlier this year in Minnesota. I mean, Minneapolis, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. And and, and so I'll, I'll go, you know, I'll go a step further and say, that, you know, if you are listening and you work in law enforcement and you know somebody like that, that's on your, uh, in your agency, on your department, it's your responsibility. It's all of our responsibilities to, to bring that to somebody's attention. Um, because ultimately, if you do not, it's just a matter of time before, um, before somebody else finds out, um, and it creates a, a, another ripple effect 
and law enforcement. And again, and, and I'm you know, and I'm confident in saying that the vast majority of us that that wear this uniform, put on that badge every day, the vast majority of us, um, we're, we're doing the right thing. It's but it, but again, it just takes one person, one person. Uh, can cause a, 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 a negative ripple effect across the entire country from one incident and one small department. So, and and I think that's important to to uh, for folks to recognize going f uh, uh, going further along in their careers. Um, but and again, sometimes it's not evident, you know. And some people think like, oh, you knew about it, you guys knew about it. But sometimes it's not evident until something goes bad. Um, but but. At that point, you know, it's 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 up to that organization to do the right thing, be transparent uh, and get that and remove that um, problem from your organization uh, before it causes more damage. Obey. And, uh, I actually I just <laughs> I was actually going to say something. Um, well, it's kind of from a uh, left field, but, uh, you know, I got to give a shout out to you, Dean, and you, Michael, uh, because, you know, this conversation that we're having right now, Lord knows it's not easy but it needs to be had, especially from police officers. Uh, because if there's something going on to what Mike just said, because that's that's powerful, man. If there's something going on, you say nothing, you're complicit. You're saying it's okay. It's okay that, you know what, you just, you know, falsified a report and somebody's now, you know, behind bars for seven to nine years. And then what happens in these investigations if that person gets caught up and then it's like, oh, wait a minute, you knew about this and you said nothing? Why didn't you say anything? Oh, well, you know, I, again, this goes back, we're held to a higher standard. You know, we, we've got to, we've got to act in a manner that, uh, that displays that, you know what I mean? So. I do. It, and it's hard. I'm going to, I'm, it, it, you know, anybody who's ever had to come forward against, against a coworker, um, whether it's police or not, you know, it's tough. It's especially mm -hmm. tough in this line of work because, you know, mm -hmm. one of those things where um, there's the stigma and and people always talk about this thin blue line thing and all this other stuff, which is, you know, it's, again, movies and TV have made that a lot bigger than what it really is. But um, it's it's never easy to have to, to have to, you know, to take some sort of action that could cause somebody to be disciplined or, or, or worse. But you know what? It's an obligation. Go ahead. I'll say this, Dean, though. If you see somebody kind of teetering off, you know what? That's okay to reach out and bring them back in. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? That they don't go off the deep end. They might be struggling with something, you know, related to drug abuse. Maybe they had a loss in the family and they're just trying to – who knows what those underlying reasons are. And we ever – and I know that I'm speaking for the three of us. You know, we know that we've got a responsibility. If we see somebody that's, you know – um, kind of wobbly to, hey, you know what? You're all right, man. Everything good. You know, okay, get you, some, you know, just do what we can to help them out because, again, there could be some other issues. And, you know, just right. keep them and, and, you know, Ovid, I'm glad you said that because it could, it's, it's really as simple as that. And, and sometimes you can catch things before they explode, mm -hmm. right? You put out that fuse, right? Because it's education. Sometimes, because sometimes it's just ignorance and a lack uh, of knowledge. Um, but if you rail that person in with a simple shrug on the shoulder and say, Hey, listen, let me educate you, kid. Uh, mm -hmm. let, let, let me, let me keep you from jamming yourself up. Here's how, here's how we're going to do this. Um, mm -hmm. so it doesn't, you know, and again, it, it's sometimes people, uh, are not malicious, malicious. They don't have a bad heart. They just, they're, it's just an, an ignorance thing and it's a lack of knowledge. And I think it's, it's, it's important for, uh, uh, you know, leaders in, in leadership positions um, to, you know, to kind of recognize that. And, and, and if you do see something, you know, you do see something, say something before, uh, you know, before, uh, before, you know, defuse that fuse before that bomb goes off. Um, and again, it, all it does is, is it creates this, this massive ripple effect across the entire country. I, I agree. Early intervention is the key, fellas. You know, like Mike said, you said, you know, hey, kid, let me school you to something. Grabbing people when they are new, especially, and they, and they, it's because these all start with little efforts, little things happen. And when people get away with that, then they get a little bolder and a little bolder and a little bolder, just like our children do, you know? So that's, you know, like they, they keep dipping their toe in the water just to see how much you're going to get away with. So when you intervene early, 
and you're decisive with that intervention, it can make all the difference in the world. Where people go wrong is when people kick the can down the road. And they're like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. No big deal. He'll figure it out or she'll figure it out. And then it just it just compounds and compounds and it keeps gaining momentum and interest as it compounds. And next, you know, you got a situation like this happening because people have been led to believe that they can do anything they want. Nobody's going to check them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, so we're down under five minutes. Um, so I'm sorry, Obed, were you about to jump in? No, no. I- <laughs> Bro, we don't have enough time for me to even get. <laughs> it, it's, it's, no, that's, but that we, was a good example. But we knew this was going to happen. Like we, you know, we talked backstage, and we knew that this this conversation it's a it, it's a difficult one. But we can't be people that pride ourselves and be able to have these difficult conversations and facilitate these conversations when we can't look in our own house either. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, what kind of credibility can we build? if we're always looking at other situations that don't involve us and pointing our fingers at other people talking about what they need to do more of or less of, mm-hmm. you know, at some point we, we, we got to look at our own situations as well. And that's what we're trying to do here. Yep. Um, Mike says, is the movie training day a good example? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say no, Mike, because the movie training day is exactly what it is. It's a movie. It, it's 1000% entertainment. That movie was so fantastic and so over the top. That um, that it's it's just a movie, gentlemen. Do you feel differently about that? No, you, you know, it, it, it. I think you you said it, Dean. It's it's a movie. However, you know, uh, in the past have have have, you know, have, have that, now that movie's extreme. Um, but there are some some aspects about that movie, um, that have happened before. Um, you, you know, and 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 again, you know, a a, a big chunk of. I don't. I don't see that movie as being relevant today. Can it happen? Obviously, we're humans. It can happen, but but it's not. It, it was. I think it was more prominent or more relevant years ago. I mean, when you you know when you had, you know the the way folks dealt with informants, the way the way they they the way they they handled business. Um, I think you could equate it more towards what happened in the in the eighties and the nineties. Um, but today. Uh, the the movie is is extreme and and it's you know it was a good movie don't get me wrong, um, but it, it was it was extreme and I don't think it's relevant for today's uh, policing, but definitely yeah. entertaining though. Obed, yeah. you yeah no entertaining, <laughs> no I mean obviously they do it way over the top and you know no disrespect to my Hollywood actors or directors but they also sometimes don't do us any favors because it's like whoa what are you talking about you can't jump to the side and shoot with your off hand. <laughs> <laughs> Like no, that doesn't happen. I know that's another, you know, topic for another day. Yeah, we, we could do another use of force episode. But <laughs> what you're saying, you've never done a barrel roll off of a off of a three story ladder and shot a yeah. out of someone's hand. <laughs> no, I, I, I I've done it. I'm just not good at it. <laughs> so Obed, we got about two minutes left. Tell us what are you working on? What projects you got going? All right, so I'm in the middle of doing a systematic review on emotional intelligence training on a global level. Uh, As you know, in policing, we just don't do enough of emotional intelligence type training as we talk about empathy, uh, you know, social awareness, understanding people, different, you know, differences in, uh, you know, cultures and all that kind of stuff and subcultures within cultures because not one group is, you know, particularly monolithic. Uh, so that's what I'm in the middle of doing right now. I'm doing some other content building for my website, uh, you know, related to emotional intelligence. Um, same old, same old. All right. They close, all the, they close all the gyms out here, so I got to do like push ups. And, and we find you how? Magni Leadership, yes? Yes, sir. MagniLeadership.com, or you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter, Dr. Obed Magni. All right. Mike, Dr. What do you got? Listen, Dean. Uh, I got nothing. I'm just trying to stay away from the Rona. However, uh, Obed, my gym is still open. <laughs> my gym is still open. Golf clap. Uh, Golf clap. Golf clap. Uh, <laughs> no, Dean, I, I'm I'm just uh, I'm just trying to stay happy and healthy and and uh, trying to progress in 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 what I do and and just growing, uh, growing and learning. And and part of that is 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 conversating with with people like you. So um, I love it. Uh, and you're studying, aren't you, for something? No, no, uh, studying's over. I, I, I took the uh, uh, the lieutenant's exam last year and and, and passed. 
topped it. Nice. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. So that, so that's my next project is is trying to get promoted. Well, Mike, we know that you you're going to make a fantastic lieutenant. Um I think that you know, I, most people would be honored to work for somebody like you. You know, you're a caring man, you're 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 compassionate and that's what we need in in leaders. So, Appreciate I wish it. you the best of luck and I'm happy for you, but I'm really happy for the people that are going to be working uh, under your command because they they're in for a treat, I'm sure. So, folks, that's mm -hmm. it. We've reached another conclusion of Difficult Conversations. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and listen to our podcast. We are on Amazon, Apple. We're now on iHeartRadio as well. And, of course, we're on Spotify. So if you like this content, please like it, share it, and subscribe to it. Every little bit helps. So we'll see everybody next week on another episode of Difficult Conversations. Good night, everybody. All right.